0: Gone, a podcast about people who have gone missing from the Upper Midwest of the United States and Southern Ontario. These people didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something.
1: I'm Katie Nordby.
0: And I'm Janelle Feller.
1: These are the stories of Peter Ackerman and Hang Lee.
0: Peter Ackerman was born in Neuhausen, Switzerland on May 21, 1927. He dreamed of being a farmer, but in Switzerland, you need to be born into a family that farmed. After serving his mandatory time in the Swiss military, Peter emigrated to the United States in 1949. He worked as a hired hand in Illinois and then moved to Bell River, Minnesota, where he met and married Delaine Voigt. They eventually moved to Leader, Minnesota, and together they had 11 children. 21 grandchildren, 15 great-grandchildren, and 13 foster children. On July 24th, 2009, Peter followed his normal routine. He met his son Mike at the cafe in Motley, then on to Ernie's food store in Staples for milk. He also stopped at the Lakewood Health Systems to pick up a prescription for his wife. This was his daily routine, depending on the errands he needed to run. Sometimes he ran meals to the old folks, Peter was 82 at the time. He usually made it back to the farm around 2 p.m. Delaine started to become concerned when he wasn't back by three. Her son, Jorg, wasn't really worried, but he drove to Staples and Motley to see if his dad had broken down on the side of the road. The Ackerman family had a wedding rehearsal dinner for Peter's granddaughter that night. So, Jorg returned to the farm in time for the celebration. There was no sign of Peter. This wasn't like him. He would call his wife if he was going to be late, and he wouldn't miss a family event. Jorg received a call that someone had spotted his dad's 1995 light blue Chevrolet Caprice wagon. It was in a mud hole off of Cass County Road 32. Jorg indicated that if his dad had gotten the car stuck, it would have been buried up to the handles, or he would have gotten the car out. But it just appeared to be sitting in the mud. His dad's walking cane and the keys to the car were missing. Peter would not have been able to walk very far because he had had several hip surgeries. Word spread that the car had been found and neighbors started to show up and search for Peter. By the time the police arrived, there are people walking all around, looking through the car, touching the car, before searching the area. There were so many prints on the car that they were not able to fingerprint it. If there was any evidence, it would have been trampled into the mud. The wedding was held on Saturday, but Delaine wouldn't go. She waited by the phone in case Peter called. He never did. After the wedding, family members and neighbors gathered together to continue searching for Peter. They searched through the brush and swampland every day for two weeks. They used search dogs, aircraft, search and rescue, state patrol, and the National Guard. They searched a three mile radius around the location where Peter's car was found. Peter would be 92 years old today. He is 5'10 and weighs 170 pounds. He is Caucasian, has gray hair, and a beard. His eyes are brown. He walks with a cane and has scars from surgeries. Peter was in good health, and there were no signs of Alzheimer's or dementia. He did suffer from jaundice. He was last seen wearing a tan and brown cotton button-down shirt with tan cargo pants, boxers, a leather belt with a Native American quote. He had tan socks with rust-colored toes brown Dr. Scholl shoes with velcro closures and a floppy red, white, and blue crocheted beret. He also wore a silver crucifix. If you know anything about the disappearance of Peter Ackerman, please call the Cass County Sheriff's Office at 1-800-480-2677. The description of what he was wearing had to come from his wife. It is so specific and so detailed. Uh, Only she would know those those little things he was wearing boxers it's it's so sweet and the rust colored toes and the rust colored toes um, yeah only she would have known those things and I, that's just it's heartbreaking and sweet
1: did he have any sort of medical issues
0: it appeared that he was he was healthy and fit other than he walked with a cane um, it appears as if he was he was in good health there is a there is some local lore or gossip um, that Peter carried a large amount of cash in his wallet all the time. And it, it, it certainly could have been true on July 20, on July 24th when he was you know they had their granddaughter's wedding. and so um, that's local lore. I don't know whether it's true or not, but um, he had gone several places that day and, and somebody could have seen it. seen that he had a lot of cash on him.
1: And maybe targeted him,
0: yeah, thinking he was an easy yeah. mark. and they when they talked about doing this search for the area, they were it was it was once they started the actual search, it was methodical they were they were walking so that they could touch each other's fingertips, so they had about a um, you know a, a span of six feet that they were walking, and uh, Peter was five ten 170 pounds it would be hard to miss that if yeah. he was there in that space and um, and they did a three mile radius of that area and the, the Ackerman farm was like 10 miles from this where it was where he was where the car was found you'd think if he was there he would have been found yeah yeah it's uh it's sad because the uh, it appears that that you know, they just don't have any idea and any evidence that was left behind was couldn't be found. Um, and the hard part is is when they don't have a body, they can't if they had a body, there might be some DNA on there that could that could help them find the person that harmed him or but without a body, it's there's no case. Yeah. And he was declared dead in 2013, which was difficult because they were still hoping, right? But he wouldn't have. He wasn't the type of person who would have just walked off. Um, and he was a, a good-sized man. He would have been seen. Yeah. Um, walking on the road or whatever, and he was well known in that area. So it makes me very sad. He had thirteen foster children as well. Wow. And eleven of his own. It's just. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, and uh, um, yeah, it makes me. It makes me sad, and the fact that he hasn't been found and and returned to his family, it's where is he? There's a lot of space, sometimes in that swampy brushland, and there's lots of things you can't see. But they they had helicopters, and they did. They were searching for what is it when they search for uh, warmth, and oh sure, they so they were they they did those searches. They did that like the first night. And they didn't find him, so um, it appears as if he's not. His remains aren't in that area.
1: Yeah. So it's scary. Yeah. And sad. Scary and sad at the same time. Hang Lee was a senior at Highland Park High School in Saint Paul, Minnesota. She disappeared in 1993 when she was 17 years old. She left her home between 6 or 7 p.m. on January 12th with her friend Nikki Lee, no relation. Hang told her brother Kua. Who was 15 at the time, that she was going to a job interview with Nikki's boss, who was later identified as Mark Wallace. He had a small painting and carpentry business. At the time, she had been working at a place called the Wong Cafe, and was making seven dollars an hour. And Wallace was going to pay her more. Her brother says they were trying to make money because the family didn't have much. As Hang left the house, Kua went to lock the door behind her, and she turned back and said, "If I don't come back." come and look for me. Kua went to sleep around 10 p.m and when he woke up at 1 a.m he realized that Hang hadn't knocked on the door to be let in. He looked outside and there were no footprints in the snow in the parking lot of the building. He said he had a feeling that kind of crawled up my neck but I was still a kid and I didn't know what to do. The next day at school Kua asked Nikki if she knew where Hang was. She said she didn't know. Hang's mother reported her missing a few days later. Hang was a little girl when her family came to St. Paul from a refugee camp in Laos. They didn't speak English at the time, so that could be the reason reporting was delayed. Nikki initially told authorities that Hang left in a car with an unidentified young man. She later changed her story and said Hang had gone to a job interview with Mark Wallace, who she also worked for. Nikki said she lied because she thought Hang had run away and wanted to protect her and also because her boss, Wallace, told her not to tell anyone what really happened. Nikki said Wallace picked them up in a white pickup truck and mentioned going to a casino. It was snowing pretty bad, and Nikki told him that they had school the next day. On the way back, Wallace switched vehicles for some reason. They all got into his 1988 tan or silver Chevy Cavalier. Nikki told police that Wallace said he'd drop her off first and then hang because she lived closer to him. Nikki said she got out of the car and looked back. She saw Hang, who was sitting in the back seat, get into the front passenger seat. That was the last time she saw her friend and has no idea what happened to Hang. When police questioned Wallace, he said he dropped Hang off at Rice Street and Wheelock Parkway, which was the Wong Cafe where she worked. Hang's boss at the cafe said she called her the night she disappeared and told her she had an interview somewhere else. It wasn't reported that anyone at the cafe saw Hang that night after Wallace said he dropped her off there. Wallace and Nikki both hired attorneys and stopped cooperating with police. At the time of Hang's disappearance, Wallace had been out of prison for about a year and a half after he was convicted in two criminal sexual conduct cases. One in March 1987 in Cottage Grove with a 16-year-old girl that he promised a job interview to. He raped her and told her he would kill her if she told anyone. The second was in April of 1987. He offered a 23-year-old woman a ride, and when she went with him, he tied her up, put a sock in her mouth, taped her eyes shut, and held a knife to her back and raped her also. In May of that same year, a 22-year-old woman told police that an unknown man called her and offered her a job. She set up a meeting with him, but she was suspicious because she knew her personal information had recently been stolen out of a teacher's vehicle. An undercover female officer went to the meeting in the woman's place. The man was identified as Mark Wallace. Police arrested him and found a bag that contained a knife and a roll of black tape. Wallace admitted to breaking into the vehicle and taking the records, and also to calling the woman whose information he found. His intention was to rape her. He was sent to prison in 1988 and got out on supervised release in 1991. His sentence expired January 10, 1993. Hang Lee disappeared January 12, 1993. In 2009, police got a promising lead. The Maplewood home that Wallace grew up in and lived in off and on was in foreclosure. Once Wallace moved out, the sheriff's office got permission to conduct a cadaver dog search of the property. Three dogs showed interest in an area on the back wall of the garage. After a ground probe was used to allow any odors to rise up through the ground, Each dog, one at a time, gave alerts that indicate the presence of either human bone, blood, or human flesh in the area. The garage had been built in 2004, about 10 years after Hang disappeared. A warrant was granted to drill holes in the garage floor to probe the soil underneath so the dogs could pinpoint the exact location of evidence. When the dogs came back for that second search, most failed to indicate an alert for human remains. In 2016, Wallace was stopped by the police, but he ran. When his vehicle was later spotted at a hotel, he wouldn't let them in. Police eventually kicked the door in. They found a 20-year-old woman frozen in fear. She had been staying with Wallace, who was the father of one of her high school friends, in exchange for housework because she didn't have permanent housing. The woman asked him about Hang Lee's case and he became verbally and physically abusive. He told her she entered my business and never came out. He said he would do the same thing to her as he did to the girl from St. Paul, and that he knew how to get rid of blood and can cut through bone. Wallace was arrested, and he had numerous active warrants on domestic assault charges. Wallace has long been a person of interest in Hang's disappearance. Police say the investigation is still open. It's one of St. Paul's oldest missing person cases. The investigations into her disappearance fill nine binders in the St. Paul missing persons unit where Hang's photo is taped to the wall. Officer Benny Williams said, we look at it and it's like incentive for us to figure this out. We look at it every day. Police occasionally check Hang Lee's social security number to see if she could be out there working or getting benefits, but there has been no activity. Mark Wallace remains in prison today. His expected release date is March 9th, 2020. He has never been charged in Hang Lee's disappearance. Hang's father passed away in 2013, and her mom and 13 siblings are still looking for answers. Hang Lee enjoyed writing and reading. She planned on attending the University of Minnesota after graduating in the spring of 1993. She would be 41 years old this year. She left behind her college savings, a $100 paycheck, and her purse, which contained a knife and a lead ball for protection. She was 17 years old at the time she went missing. She is of Asian descent, five feet tall, and 90 pounds. She was wearing a black leather jacket, a black t-shirt with the word Skid Row printed on the back, black jeans or slacks, sneakers, and several pieces of jewelry, including two silver bracelets. Hang's case is still categorized as a missing persons case and not a homicide, although foul play is suspected. St. Paul police ask that anyone who saw something on January 12, 1993, related to her case to come forward and call one 266 5903 There's so much about this that I just don't like. I know. This case has been probably the most upsetting case that I've come across since we started doing this podcast because of the the person of interest in this case. This is the first time that we've talked about it. We've had a person of
0: interest. Yeah. Um, and there's so much similarities between uh, her case and cases in which he was charged with, or or um, had done in the past, and they're so similar. Um, it's maddening that it's just he, he's not being charged with that. I mean, yeah. because the challenge is, is there's no evidence. Yeah, and that
1: that just sucks. And they were hoping that once he was in prison that he would maybe say something about his involvement in Hangley's case, but I could not find any new updates, Um, and he's set to be released next year.
0: In 2020. It's upsetting that, that, uh, that this happened, that she was assaulted, or we assume she was assaulted just two days after he went off of probation. Yeah. And then he does this again. Well, and I think that was was Lee from Laos. They, that's where they came from. So it's a real good bet that her parents didn't speak English. Right. And, um, you know, the law enforcement in the United States would probably be very different from where it was and where they came from. Yeah. And who do you talk to? What do you say? When do you report? Yeah, the and
1: they say that, that that's probably why it took so long. It took a few days for them to report her missing. Um, and also, they didn't know... Who to talk to or how to get this push forward, mm-hmm. um, so it didn't seem like she was just a runaway. Right. That this was somebody who was actually missing. Right. Because I'm sure at that that age, <clears throat> they don't know. Law enforcement doesn't know whether it's a
0: runaway or, or somebody who's who's missing. Yeah. And um, the 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 friend left her with him, and she later reported to police that he told her not to say what happened. Yeah. Then she quickly got a lawyer. And stopped
1: cooperating with police. That just feels terrible. It does feel terrible. And I couldn't find any other updates as far as the friend goes. Um, if they tried to pursue that, um, talking to her more, or if anything came from that, and there was there's no updates on that.
0: It's just very sad. It is really sad. And the, just the realization that it can happen to anybody
1: And somebody just trying to better their life. Yeah. Well, and I think she had no reason not to trust this man because her friend worked for him. So it wasn't, you know, technically it wasn't really a stranger that picked her up on the side of the road. This was somebody that she knew through her friend. I don't know. I hope that we would be, that teenagers today
0: would be more careful. But if it was your friend's boss... Uh, I mean,
1: I don't know that I, it seems like it's okay.
0: Yeah. It seems like it's okay.
1: And I think, too, that gut feeling that she obviously had when she was walking out the door and she turned to her brother and she said, if I don't come back, come and look for me. I think you can't teach that, that gut feeling, but gosh, we got to listen to it, really. Well, it's it's unexplained and and there's
0: it can be for no reason and but it's it's something that we really should listen to more often because it often proves to be true yeah and that poor brother um having her tell him that and then having her not be there and he had that same feeling he had that 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 you know that concerned feeling when she wasn't there in the middle of the night yeah it's a terrible story yeah it is And it's it's old. It's been around since... I mean, she went missing in... 1993. 1993. And, yeah, it's just a terrible story. Katie, will there be pictures of the suspect on the website?
1: Yeah, I think in this case, we will post pictures of the suspect. Um, Just because he has been named a suspect, um, and he's always been a person of interest, I think that posting his picture could be helpful if... You maybe saw him that night, or you saw something, and you might recognize his face. Lived in the neighborhood, right. And is there an age progression photo of, of Hang Lee? Yes.
0: Okay. Yep. Okay, great. Well, you know, maybe that that's, after all this time, maybe somebody did see something, and they didn't realize it. And um, just taking a look at the website, gone-podcast.com, would give them some refresh their memory. So thank you, Katie.
1: We ask that you do not reach out to the family or post names of possible suspects on social media. Missing person photos, along with other information and articles used for these cases, can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com.